This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Euronext confirm a talocentric CCP. FTX goes hero to zero in days as the bit carnage begins in earnest and Exchange Invest reaches the 26th century as we power through edition number 2500 of the Bourse Business Daily Digest, the exchange of information. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 169. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. When it comes to FTX, we were way ahead of the curve in Exchange Invest, which is precisely why our subscribers are so eager to devour our daily Bourse Business Bulletin. Thank you, dear subscribers, for the many kind words you sent us this week. I will be replying to everyone in due course, but let me say how much I appreciate your generous praise. Yes, we nailed the FTX story with misgivings going back months, while noting Monday morning that the business was likely hold below the waterline. For a small business like Exchange Invest's newsletter, these events are vital. They justify our annual subscription cost many times over in a matter of days. Let us not forget, Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX, didn't read Exchange Invest. A few hundred dollars could have saved him billions. Thank you, subscribers. We appreciate your support. But please also, can you recommend Exchange Invest to a friend or colleague so we can afford to do more groundbreaking research to bring you better insights in markets? Sponsorship is welcome too, and if you're not signed up yet, well, you are behind the curve in the business of bourses if you're not reading Exchange Invest. Onward and upward to understanding why we think BitCarnage is still in its relative infancy. Meanwhile, there was an interesting update from Young's Pyramid last week. DB1 and Nasdaq have been neck and neck in recent days for the lead of the Tier 2 of the Pyramid. That's a blow, but part of the long running journey down from one-time tier one stable, which was Deutsche Börse. It has lost its way somewhat across the generations of chasing rainbows in place of a credible M&A strategy. For Nasdaq, it's another gradual incremental step forward. And even if it does not happen soon, there is an aura of inevitability that Ashbourne is being eclipsed from Times Square, New York. True, the dollar strength and euro collapse has not helped DB1's share price either. Nonetheless, it's worth considering that as the Adina Friedman era began, Nasdaq and SIBO were neck and neck in a range of circa 10 to 12 billion dollars in market cap just a few years ago. SIBO sits somewhere adrift at 13-ish billion dollars these days, while DB1 and Nasdaq are both oscillating around 30.5 billion. BitCarnage is the name we gave to the week's events, as FTX was destabilised, Binance put the boot in and ultimately bought, or appear to have bought, FTX. If you weren't a sub to Exchange Invest, you will have missed our presciently noting that there were issues, and indeed we began the week by noting we thought FTX was hold below the waterline. In the end, what do you need to know? Well, let's give you a few brief highlights, albeit 
all of the analysis was, of course, in Exchange Invest daily. We have long held misgivings about the failure of FTX to raise money at their previous high watermark of circa $32 billion, or the equivalent in FTX US, which was around about $8 billion, we believe. Ultimately, this may have been shopped around in desperate days at $20 billion, then $10 billion, then Binance stepped in to rescue the whole event. Never really thought of CZ, the Binance founder and CEO, as being a white knight, but it seems that was the role that he played here. In the end, Alameda Research didn't inspire confidence with their assets. Alameda Research, of course, being a backstop of the FTX empire. Apparently, its single biggest asset was $3.66 billion of unlocked FTT. Now here's the insta rub. Crypto tokens coins are not renowned for their liquidity. Some of them are hugely failing in liquidity renown, such as, according to folks actively trading crypto markets, FTT, an FTX coin that provides a discount in exchange fees. When CZ, the Binance CEO, announced his plan to sell some $500 million worth of FTT, the game was coming apart at the seams for FTX. Even though, to be fair to FTX, in a balance sheet footnote, Alameda Research had noted that locked tokens are conservatively treated at 50% of fair value marked to the FTX US dollar order book. Nonetheless, ultimately, that left us with a top line of bit carnage. FTX dying and sold to Binance. FTX thus self-tested the automatic liquidation thesis, whipsawing itself out of independent ownership into the arms of Binance within a matter of hours. The FTX collapse was indeed, as I've said before, not a surprise to readers of Exchange Invest, but it was a massive shock to those not paying our modest annual subscription. The CCP proposal to the CFTC by FTX is more than likely dead, But nevertheless, the Binance deal has huge issues and may yet not close. In essence, bit carnage is far from over. If you want the one-liner version, I think we can use my favourite Philander Johnson quotation. Cheer up, the worst is yet to come. If you want to understand the fuller picture and who are the winners and losers here, well, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be subscribing to the Exchange of Information, Exchange Invest, the daily bulletin of the Bourse business. Hit us up on social media at Exchange Invest to start your free trial. Back in the world of established exchanges, Xavier Rollet, the former CEO of the London Stock Exchange Group, hit the nail on the head by noting London markets are completely throttled by regulation, as the headline ran in City AM. To quote Xavier, the UK's equity market has been taxed to death and completely throttled by fiscal policies and regulations. Well said, Xavier. In other news, unfortunately, I suspect Zavspac may fail to do its deal by the looks of things, as it ought to be, I would have thought, close to the time threshold. However, I may have added that up wrongly during the course of the last week, as we've been a tad preoccupied with FTX's incredible demise. Over on Wall Street, the New York Stock Exchange and Indonesian Stock Exchange have signed a Memorandum of Understanding. That's the latest deal from NICE following on from Singapore Exchange, Tokyo Stock Exchange and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange during the course of the summer. In results, it was a very busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. 
There were many excellent results. A fourth consecutive beat from four in the past year by the Intercontinental Exchange. Even Coinbase improved, but still lost eye-popping amounts of money, and MOEX deserve plaudits for constantly coping with the macro environment in which they are passengers. Remarkable performances once again from many exchange parish entities. In new markets this week, it was similarly rather a busy week with all the details in Exchange Invest Daily, of course. OKX, they've secured registration in the Bahamas, opening a regional hub in Nassau. Global Connect, the Warsaw Stock Exchange's new foreign stock market, has launched. And the ZMX, the Zimbabwe Mercantile Exchange, has laid out their trading framework for wheat. Not too shabby a week for deal news either. ICE said it had certified completeness with the FTC for the planned Black Knight deal. There's an ongoing debate here as Antitrust ponders the Black Knight acquisition. ICE's Ellie May is number one, Black Knight is number two. But as I understand it, one could also say that this involves only electronic stuff, whereas the paperwork blob still overwhelms the Morris of mortgages. However, we have seen issues before where antitrust, e.g. in the UK, have historically failed to have perspective of this kind between the new new digital thing and the old-fashioned massive analogue thing. Nevertheless, ice appear upbeat. The macro point is how analysts' investors focus myopically on the value in the next deal and not the firm already built to date. ICE is a powerhouse, yet its stock is down 30% on the year. TPI cap is, on the other hand, a dog with rabid fleas, and it's up a similar amount in recent months alone, plus 10% year-on-year overall, up 30% over the course of the last few months. Just in case anybody fancies a spread trade, but as always, please, ladies and gentlemen, do your own research. Overall, ICE remains chronically undervalued, whatever the macro stock market is doing. Euronex, their Italian arm, is going to become a group-wide clearer from the end of 2023. That was, of course, inevitable when the London Stock Exchange Group sold off the jewel of Borsa Italiana at a discount in order to own the somewhat, well, as we termed it in Exchange Invest this week, corporate fecal refinitive assets. Finally, TMX Group, they made an interesting technological acquisition buying Wall Street Horizon. If you're still looking for some reading for further insights in a world where FTX has collapsed and there are all sorts of questions around the world of blockchain, cryptocurrency and the fintech world, why don't you check out my most recent book, Victory or Death, published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesday 6pm London time, 1pm New York time. It's the IPO Vid live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-Vid. This week I was lucky enough to be in London discussing the BMLL liquidity maps, the Data Magna Carta, while watching the 15 petabyte lake of BMLL's data float elegantly by. Elliot Banks was our magnificent guest for IPO Vid Livestream 83. And coming next week on IPO Vid Livestream, yes, you've guessed it, number 84, is going to be our guest, Alessandro Hatami. We're going to be discussing reinventing banking. Catch us at 6pm London, 1pm New York next Tuesday. 
In crypto land, Binance looks to be in some trouble. Crypto exchange Binance helped Iranian firms trade $8 billion despite sanctions. Went the headlines this week. A Department of Justice probe is apparently ongoing from the USA. How does that impact on their acquisition of FTX, I wonder? Crypto exchange BitMEX, they've cut staff as they pivot back to their derivatives strategy. That, of course, came a week after CEO Alexander Hupner took a surprise exit, walking straight out the door at that juncture. In our crypto exchange layoffs article, I would also note that already this year, BitMEX had got rid of 25% of their headcount during April 2022. The key here is that with the CEO suddenly exiting and then there being another swinging series of cuts to the headcount, either there's a disinformation campaign to destabilise BitMEX or it is in potentially serious trouble. Last news of the crypto week, digital asset platform backed. They are set to acquire Apex Crypto for $200 million. Product news this week. Alcoa have sent three letters to the London Metals Exchange requesting action on Russian metal. Given the proximity of Alcoa to US government contracts, this is entirely understandable. Write a few letters to show how you're ahead of the curve on sanctions, but of course it doesn't help the LME, which as a global market has a global problem around which there are often differing perspectives to the US government, the European Union and their sanctions over the Ukraine invasion by Russia. FTSE Russell, they've introduced the Russell 3000 Fixed Income Index. Bourse Malaysia have inked a sustainability MOU with the London Stock Exchange Group and MSCI, as well as launching their first suite of digital assets indexes. More importantly, they have affirmed that Hong Kong was absolutely the right choice of partner for China Access after, you will recall, MSCI abruptly ended their licensing deal with Singapore Exchange and chose Hong Kong Exchanges instead a bit over a year ago. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week. International Metal Platform AG, a new firm that we've not heard of before. They've announced the launch of their spot trading platform for ferro alloys, noble alloys and minor metals from the 5th of December. Hearty congratulations here to our techie friends at Sonara and indeed our IPO vid guest 061 episode version, Hamish Adurian. IMP will be using Sonara's technology to launch their new web-based platform. Great news. We look forward to hearing more of IMP now that its stealth run-up to public announcement is over. TMX, they had a bit of a whoops nasty last week. There was apologies from TMX's group's Luc Fortin on Tuesday's system outage, which went right across the TMX group. But at least it wasn't as expensive as Deribit's week, where a crypto hack swiped some $28 million from the Crypto Derivatives Exchange. Regulation news this week. Gary Gensler's warning to market players is that the SEC's crackdown is just getting started. At the same time, a cynic cryptically noted the other day, and the SEC crackdown will last until there are no staff left. Whatever could they have meant?
Nevertheless, it was an epic moment for US regulation this week. This is probably the biggest story of the entire crypto universe actually shading in the historical record, even what took place with the FTX Binance affair. Gary Gensler has his perfect test case and precedent. We mentioned this some months ago where the SEC and other regulators were throwing all sorts of different types of coin and crypto proprietor into court in the hope of reaching a precedent. LBRY. They've lost their SEC case and indeed they called the ruling a dangerous precedent for crypto. The Howey test to determine a security has been passed and in open court. As I mentioned ages ago, US regulators were pursuing multiple actions in the hope they could get some precedence. Now via what looks to have been a fairly vaguely defined utility token, LBRY, the SEC have managed to prove it was a security. This is even more seismic impact than Binance FTX as, for example, all of a sudden even Ethereum could now be viewed as a security in the USA. That amounted to a bad day for crypto as reality once again encroached on crypto nirvana. But the process was somehow inevitable, whether it was the LBRY case or another action, as the SEC have peppered the courts, seeking the required precedent. Now Gigi has his test case to finally undertake Aegean stable cleansing of the crypto kiddies. Let's hope he gets on with it. Korea News This Week, industry legend Robert Barnes. He's leaving LSEG's turquoise at the end of the year, stepping down as the CEO of that amazing platform that he's led for some nine years. I have no doubt Robert's services are going to be in high demand. And do indeed check out Robert's excellent IPO vid. Go search IPO-vid on YouTube for a flavour of his huge knowledge and understanding of markets. The very next day after that news leaked, Robert Barnes was voted the trade's first industry person of the year and received a standing ovation, as was entirely justified given his many achievements for Turquoise over the course of the last near decade. Crypto exchange Coinbase's chief product officer is stepping down amid a restructuring, so farewell to chief product officer Surajit Chatterjee. And finally, RIP. Gary Gastineau, a great man, the author of the eponymous The Exchange Traded Funds Manual, by far the best guide to the ETF business. The Options Manual, also an excellent guide to the world of traded options and the superb Dictionary of Financial Risk Management. He was about much more than just his groups. RIP the great Gary Gastineau, ETF champion and innovator of a capital market revolution throughout his long and successful careers. One of the most impactful New York quantitative strategist and a major shaper in the development of the US ETF industry who passed away on October the 11th. Gary worked in risk management at Goldman Sachs and later headed ETF development for the American Stock Exchange and at Nuveen, a TIAA company. Gary was a wise counsel and a lovely man. It was a joy to have him on a panel at Bergenstock at my invitation amongst many other interactions with him, including in the Amex building itself. R.I.P. our dear friend of the parish, Gary Gastineau. In Big World this week, well, Big World clashed with the city. There is a crisis. It's the Simpson crisis. If an army marches on its stomach, as various famous generals have been attributed as noting, then clearly financial workers survived on the fruits of the taverns. 
There is none more famous than Simpsons off Cornhill, just a few minutes walk from the Bank of England and many other places in the epicentre of the Square Mile. Simpsons of Cornhill has been operating since 1757, and I mean 1757 AD, not a few minutes before six o'clock. It's under threat from the usual rapacious city landlord ilk. Hopefully the City of London will help, but meanwhile, City AM have launched a crowdfunding campaign to help save Simpsons Tavern. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.